0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Laura Horn Art Podcast. This week, Richie and I are back together for an episode. It's been a while because we've been releasing the interviews for the Redefining Success series. Last week was the last interview of nine, and today we're going to chat about how these conversations have challenged and changed our view of success. Juicy, huh? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Firstly, I want to say that this season Has been incredibly satisfying, very soul satisfying. I I don't know what it is about it. We approached it differently. We recorded all of the interviews in advance and then released them week by week, but we'd already recorded them. And what that meant was that we had a lot of time to linger with each conversation, and I was able to go for a walk with my dog and listen to the podcast again and again and put together the show notes and take my time with it. And what I found was that the messages just kept bubbling up and coming through in all sorts of different ways over the last few months. So I'm very excited to debrief with you and talk about some of the changes and the impacts that these conversations have had. But before we do that, I do want to say, if you haven't listened to the interviews and you're wondering what we are talking about, go back and start listening to the last nine episodes. So let me think. This is episode 138. So we must have started on, what's the math? (laughs) (laughs)
1: One, one, two, nine.
0: One, two, nine. Um, So yeah, go back and listen from one, two, nine onwards. Is that right? One, two, nine. Yes, that's right, isn't it?
1: Do you not trust my maths?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I'm getting all hot and <laughs> flustered here trying to do maths. I feel like I'm feeling pressured.
1: You have to subtract nine <laughs> from a number.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. I need to call in our son, Asher.
1: Oh, yeah, the maths genius. <laughs> yeah, he
0: thinks he's a maths genius. He's probably do better than me at this point. Uh, anyway, where was I? I've lost my train of thought now. So I was just saying that if you haven't listened to the interviews, um, definitely go back and listen to them. I will be revisiting them. I I have noted to myself that whenever I feel like I need to get back on track and realign to come back to this interview series, because all of the different thoughts and ideas around how you can measure success differently, it just opens you up to different ways of thinking and Yeah. It's it's powerful stuff. So with this episode, we've both approached it a bit differently. So we've taken some time away to reflect on the episodes and talk about how they have impacted us from a personal perspective. So let's start with you. What did you do? Like how did you approach this when I said we are going to do an episode about these interviews? What did you do?
1: Well, I had a couple of firsts when it came to editing these podcasts. Normally, I'm just happy with a recording or, you know, if the audio is just a little bit off, I'll I'll do my best to repair it or make it sound good. But the standard in all of these interviews was so high that there was one of them that I just wasn't happy with. I was like, we need to re-record this because the podcast was too good. Do you know what I mean? To to be let down by my mistake. Another first for me was I've never shared our work with friends before it's been released. And I was sending copies of these interviews before we released them to some of my friends saying, You gotta listen to this. This is ridiculous. So I was really, I, I don't wanna say touched. I was, yeah, they were very, very powerful for me.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like we were both very invested in the season. So it may seem like putting out a podcast isn't really a big deal. But for us, they they really infiltrated our lives and they became a big deal to us and very special and important every single episode I wasn't expecting that. In in some ways I thought we'd do this interview series, we'd pre-record it and maybe it would be, I want to say like maybe it wouldn't be as much work or whatever but it ended up being a huge amount of work but it was satisfying, joyful, purpose-driven work.
1: Yeah, I I, I was editing some of them and I'd be like choking up mm. and the bit that would move me I would – I would export that little bit out straight away and I would send it to you. I had no idea that this was the kind of work we do. Does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, it took on its own life. Yeah. This particular season. Uh, So anyway, I don't think you answered my question actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What was the question? (laughs) I don't be listening to you. (laughs) Uh,
0: What I was curious about was when we decided to do this episode where we recap the nine interviews. What approach did you take? Because I, when I spoke to you this morning, you took me by surprise a bit because you said you were, well, what did you say? It was kind of funny. It was cute.
1: I was taking notes.
0: <laughs> you were taking notes and you were really into it yeah. and, and you'd spent the whole morning prepping. Meanwhile, I hadn't done anything. So I was like, oh wow, okay.
1: And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> he's gonna take over the podcast.
0: <laughs> Richie's got lots to, lots to say. <laughs>
1: But when you first said we were going to do a podcast like this, I was like, oh my God, we can't. Like, it's impossible. Hmm. When you first said we were going to do a recap, I thought we were going to pick our favorite bits from each episode. And I just remember going, that's impossible. We just, it would have taken hours to go through it all. And then you decided on, well, the question that you ask in each episode is like, you know, what's your idea of success, do the podcast around that, or maybe that's something I would concentrate on, that would be easier for me. So I re-listened to the answers that each artist gave to you and I saw this pattern develop. Oh my God, I could, you could put these into your day and you would have a very fulfilling life if you were to do a suggested thing from each artist and put that into your life. And I came up with uh, nine amazing things to do.
0: You've taken a very different approach to me. So I can't wait to hear how you would incorporate those ideas into a daily routine. I kind of went with the pulling out bits from the conversations and came up against the problem that you predicted where there's just so much good stuff. And as I was driving down, I was like, how are we going to record this episode because I have all these notes about different things that have impacted and affected me. So with that said, let's start with you because you (laughs) seem to have a more streamlined version. Yeah. So uh, what's in your day?
1: Okay then. Well, there was an overriding theme between all the artists when you asked them what their definition of success was. And each artist was very aware of, you know, social success, the car, the house, the white picket fence. Yeah, the
0: traditional the measures. The traditional of measures success. of success. Yeah.
1: They also were all very unified in their art having an impact on other people. You know, that was also a very strong message that success to them, all of them, was that their art made people smile and changed lives. And that was a a very important part of their success. But also on top of that, you know, they have their own personal ideas of success. And they were all amazing. And each one of them was like, yeah, I could use that. I could use that. So I've put them together. So can you hang on for one second? Right. So here we go. (laughs) You're going to laugh at me. So I wrote these in order of how my day would work. So where I would slot them in at what part of the day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Angela Terrace, she said that her idea of success was to have something that would get her out of bed, something to get up for, something that makes you want to get started, something that wants you, you know, if you love something enough, you know, that you can't wait to get out of bed and get started. Because I need motivation, external motivation to get out of bed. You know what I'm like? I hit the snooze button all the time. And I was like, okay, if I could slot that into my life, that's where I would put it. I'd put it first thing in the morning, you know, have something, a passion that would get you out of bed. So the second one was from Jenny Grant. And Jenny spoke about feeling your feelings and not only to be happy, but to be sad. And um, so when I think about that, uh, and she also said to remain centered. So that's kind of like meditating. You know, to take time to meditate, to relax in your feelings, something to get out of bed for, get out of bed, and then to meditate, take some time to feel your feelings, yeah? So the third one was Stephanie Stark, and she spoke about having goals. One of her keys to success was she wrote down on a list an unattainable goal.
0: That's right. She had like a vision board. Yeah, um, I think a vision it was something board. like that.
1: Yeah. And the thing to have a studio full of light was on that board and it was unattainable to her, but she got it. So to have goals, for, so for me to write stuff down, to have goals, and no matter how unattainable they may be, put it on paper and say, I want to get that one day. The fourth one was Liana Fisher, and she was speaking about to trust yourself and to work hard. So I put that one in. The number five was Helen Hallows, and she spoke about knowing your, va- uh, knowing your value and being resilient to stay on track. You know, what's your purpose? You know, know what you're doing and, and where you know, want to go. And,
0: and know your worth. And
1: know your worth. Yeah. So number six was Simone Linehan. And if you see the way I'm talking about these, this is in order. So you're waking up, you're meditating, you know, you're doing all of this, you're, you're, you're looking at your list, you're, you know. But then Simone says, take it slow and be kind to yourself. So before you go out into the big bad world, take a breath, relax, slow down. And then Kyla give hand. She was all about spreading love and joy and being of service to others wherever you go. So, you know, when you leave your house, it's almost like Simona saying, be slow, be kind to yourself. And then Kyla is saying, right, and make sure that you're kind to other people too and you spread joy.
0: I absolutely loved when she talked about measuring her day by her capacity to love. That's just something I'd never really heard before. But how much you know, capacity did I have to love others today?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then we're getting to the end of our day. Right, so the working day is over. We're starting to come home and slow down. So Christina Kwan, she spoke about resting. She would rate her success in her day on how good of a mother she was that day. So I have in my notes, I just went, rest, be a good husband, father, brother and friend. So as my day starts to close down, I look back and I say, okay, am I a good husband? Am I a good father? Am I a good son? Because that's how I'll rate the success of my day. And then to finish off, like the last thing to do at night, Emmeline Webb was talking about being grateful. Be grateful for the fact that you get to live this life. You know, be grateful that, like, because she was talking about, she's just, she's just grateful she gets to do what she does. So in my notes, I just went, be grateful for the lives we have, the people we meet and the joy we bring to others And them to us. Like that was the note that I wrote for myself. When I was editing, or not editing, when I was re-listening to all of this, every single one of those people spoke to me differently. And it was something that not only could I not just listen to, understand, and take on board, but it was also something I could apply to my life. And when I say to you, like I choked up a couple of times editing these podcasts I personally think it's your best work I I genuinely believe that and that includes your art your online courses everything I think these nine episodes are by far your your best work
0: it's interesting that you say that because it it did get me questioning what is my best work and how can I be of service to others through doing things like this Uh, running a season with a different focus, bringing different people in. It also got me thinking more about collaboration, which is something that I've always been uh, hesitant around. I am a very introverted person and collaboration doesn't come naturally to me. I'm also quite, wow, What are some of the, let's use some of the harsher words, obsessive, controlling. (laughs) Um,
1: Do you want me to start saying these words? (laughs) No, it feels better when I say them.
0: Um, Yeah, so collaboration hasn't always come easy for me right from when I was a child, like working on group projects at school and things like that. So this has opened up my eyes and I guess my heart in a way to how collaboration can work so beautifully. And now I'm thinking, you know, I just want to uh, speak to more artists and work with more artists in in different ways. So that's been a beautiful outcome of this for me is to go, you know, I can collaborate. Maybe I just need to be creative in the way that I do it. So you took a creative approach and worked out how you could bring in the ideas from the interviews into your daily routine. I thought about it more over not so much a day but over my life. A lot of the ideas came to me while I was out walking and I would think about some of the things that cropped up in the conversations and how I could apply them and often it was at a quite practical level. So it would be things that I could actually do in my art business or maybe in my life. So I was really looking for those nuggets that I could apply so I'm going to run through some of the things that I've taken away from this season. So I want to start with the fact that about two weeks ago, I had a really bad day <laughs> <laughs> and I was working on changing over my email provider. And so I've been using MailChimp for many, many years as an email provider, but it becomes really expensive once your list grows and it is very I guess, fancy. It has a lot of features and things that I don't use. I have a very simple approach when it comes to email marketing. I didn't even have a properly segmented list. So I decided to switch over to Flowdesk, which has become a very popular email marketing platform that many creatives and artists use. And I was hearing about it a lot and I finally decided to take the plunge and move over my email list But it's not a small job to do that. You've got to download your lists and check everything, and then you've got to set up your new lists and your segments and your workflows. I'm not gonna bore everyone, but it's you know, if you've got a bit going on, it is quite an arduous task. But the thing is, is that I love this sort of stuff. So if I start tweaking with my website or Trello or anything like that, any kind of digital organization. And I'm all in. And once I get in, I can't seem to come up for air. And I didn't have a lot of time to do this because I was in the middle of other things. So I threw myself in and I just kept tap-tapping away and working on it. And I could feel a tension headache developing in the back of my neck as I was working. And I even said it to myself, I was like, You're gonna be you're gonna be so sorry tomorrow, Laura. You're gonna you're going to be in pain. And sure enough. I woke up with one of the worst headaches I've ever had. Like I, I was in so much pain that I spent the whole day figuring out how to recover from the headache. So I was on YouTube. Googling, you know, how to relieve tension headaches. I had a bath. I had showers. I had cold packs. I had hot packs. I had Nurofen. I had Panadol. This is a full day thing, trying to get over this headache.
1: Do I not get a mention?
0: (sighs) What did you do? What do you do? I ran the (laughs) bath.
1: I give you massages. I got you your painkillers. What are you talking about? So
0: you were – I I was in so much pain. I didn't know where the things were coming from, but – Anyway, so I had this very bad day and then the next day I woke up and I went, I am not going to let this happen again. This happens way too often. I I need to find some kind of balance and I decided that I was going to make some changes and bring in an approach where I built self-care into every day but in a way that was simple and that I could actually get it done. So no big lofty goals. And I was inspired by many of the people that we spoke to in the interview series um, to try some things. And one of the things that I decided to do was to start doing yoga every morning for 10 minutes. And this was an idea that I got from, well, quite a few, (laughs) quite a few of the artists mentioned yoga and I have done yoga in the past, but Jenny Grant talked about how she didn't do classes so much anymore um, because, you know, they're, they're time consuming. A lot of a yoga class is an hour and a half, you know, by the time you get there and get home, she does yoga just when she can fit it in, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And I thought to myself, I could do 10 minutes of yoga. So if you go onto YouTube, there are all sorts of yoga tutorials that you can do. I've been doing one called Yoga with Cassandra and it's 10 minute yoga stretches. And the reason why I like that one is it's very good for getting the tension out of your neck and your shoulders, which is something that I tend to get because I'm either bending over a piece of paper working on a painting or I'm on the computer. I specifically wanted to address that by doing stretching every day. And there's also yoga with Adrian, which is super popular. Most people who do yoga will be familiar with her. Um, So I started doing yoga for 10 minutes. And then I also decided that I would briskly walk for 10 minutes and do 10 minutes of reading because I love books and I haven't read that many books over the last year or two and I feel like I've actually lost the ability to read. And I was with my family um, last night, my siblings, and we were chatting about how hard it is to read now because we're so used to smartphones dinging and we've lost the ability to focus and have attention. And so as part of this, I wanted to switch off and just dedicate 10 minutes a day to reading. So it sounds pretty simple, right? 10 minutes of reading, 10 minutes of walking, 10 minutes of yoga or stretching, not too hard. (laughs) But what I found, and I've been doing it now for 10 days. So you know, I'd love to be able to sit here and say I've been doing this for months and this is, you know, I'm really talking about it too soon. I—I, In fact, I hate people who do what I'm doing right now and <laughs> talk about their new change when they've only been doing it for five minutes. I mean, it's cringy, but hopefully <laughs> this will set me up. I want you to ask me when we come back, next season if i'm still doing this i want to be totally honest but anyway i'm sharing it now because it came out of these interviews the idea was developed because i'd been listening to artists and they were talking about how important this self-care is if you go back to simone linehan she had a super successful graphic design career but she talked about how she ran herself ragged and that now that she's older and wiser, she looks back and says, you know what, I'm going to look after myself because I didn't look after myself when I was younger. And I've got more time for self-care now. And I'm in that situation too. I, I, I have got the time. My kids are older. I can carve out this time. I need to make it important.
1: Yeah, she spoke of the ego. You know, yeah. She would see her work up on billboards and it would give her this ego boost and she had she had it all. She had the money to do what she wanted. She, she had a good job, great money. And then, yeah, she is all about self-care and self-love now.
0: The problem is if your definition of success is tied up in those traditional measures, the sales figures and, you know, how quickly did I sell out a collection and how many people liked my Instagram post – If your success is defined by that, you're never going to choose to do the yoga or go for the walk. So what we have to do is change our view of success at that identity level and associate our success with being a healthy artist, a well-rested artist. And this was something that I don't think I was doing. I started to think to myself, am I a healthy artist? Is being an artist healthy? Probably not, because sometimes I work myself ragged. Sometimes I don't see people because I go into hibernation mode and I don't have social interaction. So, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm terrible. Like I, I do have boundaries and I am realigning all the time.
1: And Simone said something as well, like fleetingly. She just she said, "Yeah, I do my art for myself."
0: I'm going to get to that actually because that was another area of change for me. So anyway, I've, I've built in this routine of self-care. One thing that I have realized for me is that I do need to do this stuff first thing in the morning. So I get up, I have my coffee. You bring me my coffee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I'm being of service, first yes. thing.
0: Yep, so so I have a coffee in the morning and I read for 10 minutes And then I get up and I go for my walk and then I come back and I do my yoga stretches. And if I want to, I can go longer. So the 10 minutes is the minimum and the idea around that is that you can do it even on a very busy day. There's a way that you can fit those things in even on a very busy day. But if you wanted to do 20, 20, 20, you could. So I'm focusing on that and the idea of short bursts was something that I had been exploring in my art prior to that. So when we developed the Sketchbook Sanctuary course, I was applying this idea of shorter bursts of activity to making art. And then what I wanted to do was to bring that into self-care. So I have been looking at this idea of what can I do in 10 minutes and changing my mindset because I have had a terrible mindset around time for a long time. I did an Instagram post about this recently actually and it was interesting to read that other people struggle with this too but I am one of those people where I think that I need three or four hours for anything to be worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, And my kids notice this with me, you know, they'll say, "Mom, can you pop out and get this for me? And I'll be like, "Nope, don't have the time. Because I think in my head that everything is just a big thing. I just, I don't value things. I don't believe that I can do something in 10 minutes. And so what I'm trying to do now is provide proof to myself that I can do things in 10 minutes. And over the last few months, I've done that. It's been life-changing for me to realize, yeah, I can make art in 10 minutes. And I can do a brisk walk and get exercise in 10 minutes. I can do yoga stretches in 10 minutes. And now I'm obsessed with 10 minutes. I'm obsessed with what can I do in 10 minutes and it's it's really helping me to be more proactive in my life. So that's something that's grown out of these conversations. Now you mentioned something about Simone Lillian who talked about making the art that she truly wanted to make and having a very authentic experience with art making and I also wanted to mention Stephanie Stark, who talked about, you know, being comfortable with making different styles of art and relaxing, just being relaxed about it. And when she said that, I could feel myself relax and go, you know, what? I wouldn't mind getting back to some more abstract stuff. Like I've been doing a lot of botanical work, but why not? And I could feel a freedom and a kind of, I don't care anymore, and, but a good kind of, I don't care anymore. You know, the the healthy kind where you're letting go of uh, people pleasing or pleasing others and making the art that you really want to make. So I have been thinking about that. It's encouraged me to return to making some larger pieces. So for the last year or two, I've been mostly working on paper and in sketchbooks and it suited me and my lifestyle, but I feel like I want to do something bigger and I wonder whether... These artists are encouraging me to dream a bit bigger or have bigger take bigger actions in my life. And and it's it's just so good to feel that. And I just I, I don't know. I, I just feel like the wisdom of other artists, it's such a powerful thing.
1: I'm just I'm nodding my head and getting a creak in my neck, you know? <laughs> just how all the that's why I had to put all of their messages together because just listening to the words you're saying, giving yourself permission, relaxing, slowing down, that I can get things done in 10 minutes. that I don't have to say no.
0: So much good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm feeling inspired to break out some wooden panels. I haven't done that in a while or a larger canvas. I've already been, you know, prepping and getting ready for that and to, to see what comes up and... For the first time in a long time, in fact, I was talking to our daughter about this today. I said, like, I'm really excited to just see what comes up on the canvas. There's got to be some new stuff come through because I don't feel like I am the same person I was nine weeks ago. So what's going to come up on the canvas?
1: You were talking there about yoga and walking and reading your book, all that kind of stuff. And I sent you a link to to uh, find your style from a photographer that I, that I follow. And he was talking about your style isn't in the technicalities of your camera. ISO, shutter speed, color correction, editing. It's all technical. Your style will come from the music you listened to when you were a kid. The clothes that you liked, the cars that you liked, all the stuff that you like. And now you're doing this yoga, you're reading more, you're slowing down. And now your brain or your creativity is saying, you know what? I'm just going to slap something on that piece of board over there and see what happens.
0: I want to see what comes out. Yeah. And just as you were speaking there, it reminded me of Helen Hallows who mentioned nurturing your soul before you create. And that's what I've been doing too. I've been going for walks. I've been catching up with family. I've been nurturing myself and my soul. And now I'm ready to hit the canvas and see what that delivers. So that's also a very important part. And Christina Kwan, who mentioned about being well-rested, like, yeah. I mean, I, I love that phrase, just being a well-rested artist.
1: Like Helen was talking about one of her ideas of success was the fact that she had the courage to reinvent herself.
0: Yes, and that came up a few times. Angela Terrace also talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, she worked for years as a digital artist and then decided, well, actually – she needed to, for health reasons, make a change and decided to explore what she had always dreamed of being a painter, like actually using paint. And the, But what surprised me was that when she started using paint, she was very, very anxious. It was totally new to her, the sensations of using a brush rather than using a computer screen and having an undo button as a digital artist. Yet she had years and years and years of experience, and that to me was really encouraging because whenever you try something new, you're always going to feel fear. It takes practice doing things again and again, and that was another theme that came through a lot, um, which I knew it would because it makes perfect sense.
1: They don't refer to themselves as brave, but boy, God. They're so (laughs) brave, all of them.
0: You know, one of the other things that came through for me is that a creative life requires risk-taking. Yeah. You know, whether that is a business risk or an art risk, you need to take risks. Mm -hmm. And the one conversation that really emphasized this was the one with Emmeline Webb where she chose creativity again and again. And it made me realise that that is a choice that you need to keep making. It's not a case of choosing a creative life once. You do it again and again. So in her example, they sold the house so that she could go to university. They sold her family home. Um, Then she decided to set up a gallery during a recession. She rebranded that gallery during COVID like there were so many decisions that she made finding a studio space you know all things that are big and and big financial commitments and scary but they have to be done and we will need to keep doing that too we will need to keep taking risks and choosing a creative life it won't just choose us we can't be complacent we need to be proactive and keep on going after our dreams and and choosing to be creative beings
1: because when you asked Emmeline the question of success she said i knew i was entering a very competitive market and she went anyway
0: because there'll always be reasons not not to do it yeah yeah
1: and she went anyway
0: and what i loved about the conversations was that there was a balance between following dreams and also being practical all of the artists brought very grounded, practical advice about what are some of the things that you need to do in order to um, have a sustainable art business and art practice. And whether that be looking for sources of passive income or, you know, the different things that you do, having a, a side job.
1: What what quote am I? What am I I'm am not I sure. What about are you, right you
0: thinking? Now? You've got a smile on your face. Kyla. Yeah.
1: I know I'm going a bit overboard with the joy thing and I know you can't walk into your power provider and say, can I pay my bills with joy, please?
0: (laughs) I love that. That was so, that was so funny and so true. And and that's why I'm so grateful that the artists came to these conversations with both, I guess, spiritual advice, but also practical advice. And what I learned is that those two things go hand in hand.
1: And? you're not any less spiritual for doing the practical stuff.
0: Yes. That's yeah. what
1: I got from from the podcasts and the interviews.
0: And Helen Hallows talked about becoming a more business-minded artist was part of her new definition of success, um, was that, you know, looking after herself meant having some financial security. So, you know, that's what... That's what I loved about this is that the definitions were far-reaching and both practical and spiritual. And speaking of practical stuff, I also wanted to mention that the conversation with Kyla Givehand inspired me to take a bit of a different approach with how I am marketing modern mixed media, the e-course, which we put together and we run um, regularly, or we've run it now twice and we're about to run it for the third time and she talked about having a very small engaged audience and being able to fill her courses through her email list without having to have a big launch and Facebook ads and things like that because she focused on nurturing relationships and so what I've been doing is looking at whether or not I can fill my e-course focusing on my email list and reaching out to people who have already expressed an interest or things like that and having this softer, gentler approach to marketing the course. And then the other side of that is how many people do I really want on the course? So she said that when she started her online courses, she set a goal and then later on, she realized that that goal that she had set wasn't actually what she wanted because she wanted to have a more intimate experience with the people that are on the course. And so I was having a chat with my business coach about, you know, setting goals and targets and, and I was talking to her about, well, I could shoot for this, but that is going to spread me thin and I'm not going to be able to answer questions and comments and, and that m- makes me feel icky. So I need to find that sweet spot where we are running a business and we are making money because there's nothing wrong with that but at the same time what you are doing is in alignment with your values and you feel good about it. You don't have that icky feeling and so that's what I've been looking at with my marketing is is where do I feel good, you know, like what what is too much and what is too little which brings me to one of my other favourite things that came through which was from Jenny Grant she talked about the Swedish word lagom and that her idea of success was something to do with it being not too little and not too much. I have been thinking about that so much. Like that comes up in my mind all the time. Like when I was sitting on the computer and I got the air headache, too much, too much. way, way mm-hmm. too much. Like, you know, same goes when you are working on a painting and you just keep going like but you feel negative and tired but you keep pushing and you keep adding and you sabotage yourself and that actually came up with a conversation with Stephanie Stark we talked about those days those bad painting days too much you know like sometimes you do need to walk away
1: but she also says you know too much happiness don't try and solve your sadness by doing something that makes you happy like feel it
0: yeah, be like, comfortable with yeah. the the negative feelings. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that that was that was very powerful. Um, so I've been yeah thinking about not too little, not too much, with a very broad application. Legum,
1: so, you don't you don't want to know how I spelt that in my notes? Well, I know
0: I know I'm <laughs> saying it wrong. I, I I'm not quite sure. I, I'm not sure. The Swedish accent makes it sound so much better. I need Jenny to come on and say it. <laughs> Um but yeah that that's good. I actually borrowed a book um called Lagom. I don't know who the author is, but I borrowed a book um to read more about that approach and how it can be applied to all sorts of different things your you know your social interactions, your exercise, your art, all those things. This it's like it's about that sweet spot and and knowing yourself. That came up a lot too. Knowing knowing your limits. The other thing that resonated with me was this idea of immersing yourself in your own creative practice and doing the work and being quite rigorous about it. And this came through in the conversation with Leanna Fisher. Now, if you haven't seen Leanna's watercolor work, go over and have a look at it because it's exquisite. And she talked in the conversation about how she wanted to obtain mastery over her craft and that she valued craftsmanship and she would paint a painting and then paint the same painting again, tweaking it. And I love that. I love that approach. And I do that myself. I often repeat paintings and I talk about it in my classes, the value of doing something and then doing it again with the view to making it a bit better. And I, I just love the word rigorous. I, I, like, I think it's something that we've almost become afraid of as a society in a way. Like, But as long as you take your rests, you can still have a rigorous practice and put in the hard work. Yes,
1: yeah, she was a real roll your sleeves up, you know. But she also says, and, and which I really liked, was that she spoke about living in line with who you are. And then she said, just right behind it, she goes, I'm blessing other people with that. So yeah, she rolls her sleeves up and yeah, she works hard. But again, that thing, service, being of service, making other people feel loved and joy.
0: And there are many different ways to do that. And Liana's creating a beautiful calendar at the moment, working on the illustrations for each month. Now that calendar is going to go out to many, many different homes including ours, (laughs) because I can't wait to order one, it will bring so much joy. She paints different kinds of houses and cabins and things like that. Even just looking at the pictures or the um, paintings, I should say, you can feel your shoulders relax. So that's going to bring a joy to all sorts of different people and that's something that people will hang on their wall. Whereas another artist... Uh, take someone like Kyla Givhan who runs classes, online classes, and her classes cover all sorts of different things. She's not afraid to have many passions. You know, she loves poetry and art journaling and bookbinding and all sorts of things and spirituality. And her work will provide so much comfort to other women who are also exploring that side of themselves. So the way that she gives might be through her teaching, whereas someone else might give through an actual painting and the joy that it brings. There's many different ways.
1: Yeah, one of the ladies paints murals inside people's houses.
0: Yeah. You know, there was another artist, Simone, does murals in childcare centres and areas around the community. So, so many different ways that you can spread joy and it doesn't need to be big, you know, it doesn't need to be huge. It could be very simple. That was something that came up and and in every conversation in some kind of way was that um, blessing others, like service is probably the easiest way to put it, being of service in some kind of way. Um, and looking at how can your um, creative life inspire others.
1: And you have to be kind to yourself first.
0: Yes, amazing. So as we come to the end of this, I am feeling all sorts of feelings. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not afraid to feel the feelings, you know. Um, but, you know, mostly I feel happy, happy invigorated refreshed excited and relaxed I feel so much more relaxed and comfortable with approaching my creative life in different ways you know and not necessarily the traditional ways being so tied to the sales and the whatnot I feel more relaxed because I realize that success is so much more than that. And that has been a real gift for me to be able to then move forwards with this relaxed and and happy feeling. So I'm, I'm very grateful for every artist and what they have given me on a personal level because I've said this before, but I feel like every conversation is a gift and that there's some kind of message in there that's just for me. I know that's not the case, but I also know that other people feel that too. They listen to the conversations and it feels like the artist is talking to me. I guess on a spiritual level, the conversations that you need in your life will show up. So they are talking to you if you look at it that way. So yes, I want to just say a huge thank you. That goes without saying um, we love each and every guest that came on and gave up their time. Um, Every guest has been absolute an absolute joy to work with. What else do I want to say? I just want to say, what's, what's next, I guess? What's next for us? These conversations have inspired me to move towards a more balanced approach. And in the past, I have had a bit of a like all in and then need to have a huge break. <laughs> And so people listening to this are probably going, okay, here she's about to announce that she's going off on another two-month break from the podcast. But do you want to know what the good news is? I feel super refreshed. Invigorated. And invigorated. So we are going to take a break mainly because our kids are on school holidays. But it's going to be a two-week break, not a 10-week break. (laughs) And we'll be back on the 20th of October. So, um, not too long, and I hope that that gives people time to catch up on any of the interviews that maybe you haven't listened to, um, that you could you know tune into them, and then you will
1: not regret it. Yeah,
0: join us back on the twentieth. Uh, I also wanted to mention that the modern mixed media e course is opening up for registration super super soon. This podcast will be coming out one day before I open up the early bird offer. To get the early bird offer, you do need to be on the uh, list, which is at laurahornartcom forward slash modern mixed media. So I don't want to say too much about it, but let me try and say it simply. This is a big six week e-course that covers all of the ideas and techniques that I use all the time in my art. It's the big one. And we do everything from creating a mood board right through to, so the mood board is around inspiration, but then we go through the process of making art and then showing it in its best possible light. So we share tips and ideas around how to photograph your art and frame it and seal your art. And the reason for this is because when we created the e-course, I looked at all the questions that we get, the most commonly asked things, and we built the course around that. So it is the things that maybe I haven't covered in a lot of depth in my other courses. It's in this one. So it's a very immersive experience where you will make a lot of art. That's probably enough. I'd love for you to add your name to the list if you're curious about it. If you have taken it before, it is the same course. So I'm sorry. Eventually we might um make a modern mixed media too or sort of like a an add-on, but we haven't done that yet. But if you haven't taken it and you want to join me for a six-week mixed media experience, head on over to that list. And finally, the very last thing I wanted to mention was when we do come back for the podcast around when when did I say the 20th of October? I am looking at how can I make the podcast as easy and effortless as possible. So you and I have chatted about that because I can sometimes make something that should be a 10 minute task into a 10 hour task. So that can be, you know, doing the show notes or whatever it is. So I'm looking at whether or not we could keep the podcast momentum going by having a much more relaxed kind of show. We might not even do much of a show No, I don't know. I, I'm just, I just want to sit down and chat and let it out. And I want to let go of some of my perfectionistic traits. And again, these conversations and interviews have inspired me to just take that more relaxed approach. So big thank you to all the artists once again. And we'll be back on the 20th of October with a relaxed chat about all things art and life so have a wonderful week everyone enjoy the next two weeks and we'll be back on the 20th of October